Sacred Space. So, welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space in West West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Still joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the Skype line, somewhere out there in Skype land. And Shane, you have a very special guest joining us today. Sorry, well, thanks, John. Thank you for that. So, we have a very special guest on this week's programme, and we're delighted to welcome back Bishop Brendan Leahy, Bishop of Limerick. Bishop, welcome back to Sacred Space. Good morning. How are you keeping? Thanks very much, Shane. Good to be back. Now, Bishop, uh, Bishop Brendan, we'll bring you back on the programme. You've been very good to us over the last while. You have generally visited Sacred Space once or twice a year just to, to say hello and let us know what's going on in the diocese from your perspective. So we said we'd have you back on again this year. Now, although it's taken us, it's taken us a while to manage to align the calendars, but we've we eventually managed it. So welcome you on the program this morning. And we wanted to talk to you and get your thoughts on a couple of things that affect the diocese or things that are going on in the diocese um, at the moment. Now, as listeners will probably remember, about two or three weeks ago, we had Noreen Lynch on from the Diocesan Pastoral Centre telling us about upcoming events. And one of those events was a diocesan assembly day, which was held in at the end of September in Limerick. And at it, uh, there was the progress report for the events and things that have been taking place in the diocese since, of course, Synod finished in April 2016. That's right. Well, first and foremost, let me say I'm delighted to be on Sacred Space and I'm delighted we've managed, as you say, <laughs> align our calendars. It's always great for me and I do enjoy the hospitality and the welcome. It gives a chance as well to talk about, as you say, things that are going on in the diocese. The assembly we had was wonderful. There was about 300 people at it. And basically what we tried to do was give an update in terms of where we are in our pastoral plan. And if we remember, the pastoral plan comes out of the Synod, which, of course, mm. gathered many, many people from across the whole diocese, indeed over 5,000 people between the you know inputs and questionnaires and all the rest. So all that boiled down eventually to a pastoral plan which has six areas in it and we did a kind of little updates as to what's happened in each of the six areas very short very brief naturally and uh, i think there was a great sense of, of um, excitement and also uh, gratitude because one of the things we did was to make little short videos uh, mm-hmm. around some of the initiatives for instance mm-hmm. a little vi- uh, short video and we're talking about one minute videos of young people down in Kilfinnan who have pioneered the John Paul II Awards in the diocese. There was another was a baptismal team initiative out in Abbey Field. Another was a kind of a, it's in John's area, the pastoral area meeting together and seeing how they're planning to go forward, looking at their whole area and how, what the new structures are needed there. So in each case, we had this one minute video and it just showed us, okay, we actually can see people we see what they're doing. Life is moving forward after our synod, after our pastoral plan. And uh, it gave a certain enthusiasm, so much so that people said afterwards, we really need to get this news out to people, that there's a lot happening. And, and I was delighted in a way, perhaps we were slightly criticised for not getting it out enough, but that was a good criticism because it's true, we need to get the good news out. That's uh, and as you said, there's 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 a lot of things that happen. They're actually available for people that have access online on the diocesan Facebook page. Um, but in terms of in terms of things, is there anything in particular that stood out for you? Uh, you know, it, one or two things that really you know you were you were delighted to see get off the ground following on from synod. 
Uh, well, I suppose everything everything is fantastic, and I, I'm just delighted to see people are moving forward. In particular, there's no doubt it's just great to see young people uh, at any level in our life of the church because they are the young church, so it's good to see them active. And I was particularly impressed by that short experience which came from Kilfinnan. We had young people themselves speaking. We had Sister Patricia Cochran, who is kind of the coordinator down there. And we had the school principal of Nave Pole, Skull Pole, down in Kilfinnan. And it was just great to see that. Uh, and Father Michael O'Shea, the, the parish priest down there, all of them talking about this wonderful initiative of young people who've been helping out, just not only in the church, but also in the tidy towns and, and various initiatives down there, but very much linked with the church. And in fact, some of those young people actually came to our assembly. So that was a particularly encouraging thing for me, I think. So I was particularly happy with that. Secondly, I suppose the whole world and area of families, that was a big thing because naturally... We've, we're being helped. We've taken family as one of our big themes and actually it's what we want to go forward with. So we've set up a family forum for the diocese. But of course we're now being helped because the Pope, as you know, has chosen Ireland for the World Meeting of Families event next year. So the preparations for that are obviously feeding in directly into our own um, pastoral plan. And that, 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 that too was very positive. So, in fact, we had a lot of inputs at the meeting about the family. And, uh, of course, this is crucial. And one of the great things we had was last Sunday week, we had 3,000 uh, people at Mary Actors College for what was called a family fun day. It was a wonderful atmosphere. We had games, indoors, outdoors. We had a little animal farm. There was a thing called Zorbs, which I had never heard about before. There was indoor football. Then for the children, there was arts and crafts. There was archers. There was the obstacle race. There was musical chairs. There was, uh, you know, food. There was choirs singing, bands playing. And it was a wonderful atmosphere. And people felt, you know, this is a great diocesan day. It's like a diocesan family day. So I was particularly encouraged by that. So I suppose those those two things I'd take out of the Assembly. We highlighted those two things. You referred there, Bishop, to um, the World Meeting of Families, of course, which, are to be, which is to be held next August in Dublin. And, of course, you know, nationally, obviously, um, we're, 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 we're getting prepared for it. And we had Brenda Drum on the programme a couple of weeks back. But in terms, from a diocesan perspective, I suppose, um, what, what would be the things you'd like people to, 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 to know about and maybe to, to focus on over the next couple of months as we head into the preparations for that gathering uh, next August? Well, I, I suppose a few things. First of all, that it isn't just about next August. The Pope clearly wants us all to look again and focus again on family life and the value of family life. He's very clear, as he puts it very well, nobody, you know, no family drops down from heaven perfect. We're all on a journey. We're all having to take steps. We're all having to work at our family life but the important thing is it is a treasure a family is a place we all go to in our times of need a families are there at times of celebration it's something we should never take for granted but we do have to work at it and i suppose from our point of view we ha- of course have the good news of jesus christ who's helped us to live relationships that are positive that build up uh, the family spirit and that's the main thing we want to promote but the pope himself has written a wonderful document on what he calls the joy of love, Amoris Laetitia. 
And that document is really, really wonderful. A, a, a woman I know said to me, how did he write some of the things he wrote? Because really, you'd have to be in an everyday life of a family to write it. Because it's very, some of the images and some of the references he makes are really real and, and down to earth and homely. So what we've tried to do is to take that document and break it down into six lessons or six sessions, I should put it that way, which we hope over Lent we'll offer to people so that they can get into the document and understand and hear what the Pope is to say. And at the same time, chat about family life today and, 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 and think it through in terms of their own family. But that will be for Lent. But before that, we have a few initiatives which are wonderful. For instance, we have a petitions box going around the diocese at the moment. And that's going to every parish for a few days. And people are invited to put their petitions there. And we're going to be giving those petitions to the poor, poor Clare sisters in um, the Carmelite Convent, I should say, in Ennis. And they'll pray for those petitions. And eventually, all of that will lead up to the Dublin event next year. But we're also going to have a series of other events, simple things like if there are anniversary, particular anniversaries, renewal of vows, also moments of celebration in, in, in schools. We in the Diocese of Limerick in December are going to be welcoming the icon that was constructed uh, for this year. It's going around the diocese and we're hoping to be in three places in the diocese in, for about a week in, in, in December. And it's a beautiful icon. It was built specially for um, this year and has beautiful images of the Holy Family, Nazareth and Cana. And uh, many people are admiring that. So we certainly would hope that that will be um, a focus for the year. But overall, the, the, the message is to look again, all of us, at family life, see how we can support it, see what best we can do to take some step to build up our family life, to see how, if you're a parent, you can best help to educate your child. If you're a child, how can you best build up, you know, your, with your brothers and sisters, your mother and father, with your relations, uh, the family life. But at the same time, recognising there's no family perfect, and we're not saying there is. This isn't just for perfect families. This is for all kinds of families and all kinds of shapes and sizes to look again at family life and support it. Thanks for that, Bishop. Um, something you just mentioned there, just in relation to the big event in 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 in, in Dublin next year, and I, I'm probably going to put you on the spot a small bit for this one. Do you think Pope Francis is going to be there? Well, what we're saying is we really hope he will be. Our sense is that he wants to come, but the Pope really never gets around to finalising the events schedule that he has until about six months beforehand. So really it's going to be kind of February, March before we actually know if he is going to come. Um, of course, we're hoping like mad he will come and, you know, we, we, can be, we can be hopeful about that. And in terms of uh, just if he does come to Ireland, what would be the chances of a repeat papal visit to Limerick? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have said that. And I know there's some people really actively campaigning for it as well. Of course, I would love if the Pope came to Limerick, but I have to be realistic. Unlike mm -hmm. John Paul II, who was 59, I think, when he came to Ireland, Pope Francis next year would be 81. He also is a man who doesn't just do journeys to places for the sake of it. In other words, he is coming primarily for the World Meeting of Families in Dublin. Mm -hmm. um, look, people are saying, would he not go to Northern Ireland because John Paul II always wanted to visit his 
finish his visit in Northern Ireland. He didn't get around to doing it. So some people say, will Pope Francis go to Northern Ireland? So that's quite possible. But the Pope is also a man who likes to do small things, like, for instance, visit a prison or visit a, a homeless shelter. Or, so, you know, I think we should be realistic. While I'd love him to come to Limerick, we have to be realistic about the possibilities as well. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, actually. Maybe someone should talk to Brother, uh, brother, brother Kevin in the Merchant's Key Project. He might have an unexpected caller in Dublin. But okay, something as you said, something something to look forward to maybe next year, of course, as part of the event itself, of course, which is the World Meeting of Families to be held in Dublin. Now, interestingly, that will brings us on to, I suppose, another uh, topic uh, of interest to people. And And it's kind of linked into families and family life and prayer life and family life. And that is the challenge that we have of vocations to priesthood. I suppose some people would like to know, Bishop, um, at the moment, do we have any seminarians for the diocese? Yeah, well, well thankfully we have two seminarians. Um, we have Tim Collins from Croke, and we have Mark O'Brien from St. Lelia's Parish in the city. And really, I'm delighted we have them. They're two very fine men, and they're studying in Rome, in the Irish College in Rome. Mm. Um, of course, I would love if we had more. Uh, I have appointed Father Richard Keane, who's one of our younger priests, as our vocations director, and um, he now, he, he, he just come, come back from studies, so he will be setting up a committee together with others, and I know we're blessed at the moment to have also, for instance, the new Dominican sisters who have great, great energy in life, and we've got the Franciscan friars and others who are very keen to uh, work and uh, together on promoting vocations. So certainly I'm hopeful that quite soon we'll be able to put together that committee and, 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 and get working again on it. Um, of course, it's a, it is a big challenge. I can't deny that. But, you know, uh, we have to kind of bow to God's ways and see, try to understand what God is saying in all of this. Um, mm-hmm. the, sometimes vocations appear out of nowhere, like the two men we've had were both study, were studying. They both have master's degrees, so they have a great formation behind them, and it's then they consider coming forward for priesthood. They're in their mid to high 20s. That's a good age, I think, for, for men who might be considering vocations. Um, and I just think we have to kind of keep praying and hoping and believing that God is still calling, and um, we have just make sure that the, doors, the door is open and that people know the door is open. And so that's part of our communications exercise, that we need to get that message out a bit more. Mm. What would you what would you say as well? I suppose um, in terms of a reminder, I suppose that um, you know vocations and priests uh, don't come out of a drawer in the bishop's office. That it, it really comes out of communities and families asking the question and maybe saying to someone, would, "Have they ever considered uh, a call to priesthood?" Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, in my own case, that's how it was in the sense that. I remember when I was about 15, 16, uh, you know, being at home, and my father, I think he probably found it slightly awkward, slightly embarrassed, but I think he felt that it was his duty. We were talking about my options, probably 16, 17, you know, the the CEO form probably had to be filled in, and uh, we were talking about options, but the kind of thing I was interested in doing. And my father, I'll always give him credit for it, he, he just, in one sentence, just said, don't forget in, you know, thinking about it, you you know, don't rule out the idea possibly of a priesthood. And of course, 
I mean, I gave him a quick answer. Oh, no, I won't be doing that. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, uh, he put, mm-hmm. I think he planted the seed in me in a way. Um, and it probably the, it was maybe a bit at the back of my mind. And, okay, I didn't take action on it immediately. Um, I went to college and then went on to the seminary. But I give my father credit for having said it. So I think your point is true. We need maybe at times to, to say it to people, well, have you thought about priesthood? Because mm-hmm. maybe in the past 40 years ago, many young men, you know, who were maybe doing their leaving cert, it would have been almost normal or natural for them to think about priesthood as an option. And today, perhaps that isn't the case. And so we might take it for granted that if they were thinking about it, they'd surely come but maybe that doesn't work anymore so automatically because maybe it never even occurs to them. Mm-hmm. So we do need mm-hmm. people to actually raise the topic. Okay, okay. Something, something, something for <clears throat> something for people to consider. It's a topic we've raised often on the radio on this program uh, and and reminded people of as well. Um, I noticed recently, Bishop, you've done a bit of you've done a bit of travelling. And uh, uh, now it's it's a while since it happened, but of course the the Episcopal Conference, that's all the bishops of Ireland, ye made your ad limina visit to Rome. And then as well as that, I noticed you yourself were in uh, Zimbabwe. Correct, you're right. Both, uh, they they happened, well, Zimbabwe was around this time last year, and then the visit to Rome, the ad limina visit was in January. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, both wonderful, wonderful occasions. You had lim- the, 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 let's say the Zimbabwe visit, well, basically the point there was we were asked by Troker if we would go out and visit just by way of encouraging and, 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 and I suppose part of the bishop's duty in a way to just look at some of the work that Troker is doing and they are doing wonderful work. So we went out to Zimbabwe, which is a beautiful country, really, really beautiful. I would say one that probably has the potential of being one of the nicest countries in the world in terms of it's it's climate and some of the places there that are really very beautiful. Nevertheless, unfortunately, it has some really serious social problems. It's, I think, ranked 156th out of 187 countries in terms of human development. Huge issues of unemployment and resources being underused. And then more recently, drought, of course, has really, really done terrible damage. Now, the first thing we should say, of course, is there's wonderful Irish missionaries who have been out there doing huge mm-hmm. work, Carmelites, Franciscans, Little mm-hmm. Sisters of St. Francis, Presentation, Contegan, Missionaries of Africa. They've been doing wonderful work out there. And in fact, we met one of them, a sister Eunice. She's been there 35 years working with young people in the Mutare Diocese. But we were uh, focused more, now we did, on the one hand, met the people in Harare, which is the Troker people themselves. And, you know, again, they're, they're Sarah McCann and others working there really wonderful people and they work at a few levels they work on the one hand certainly the whole area of just building um you know dams for keeping water preserving water the whole water issue is a huge issue out there but also promotion of of awareness of human rights and and also the dignity of women some of the issues that might be a bit more delicate out there what i was very impressed with is that the troker works very closely with the church um versions of troker out in in those countries like Zimbabwe, which means that there's a direct link, which is very consoling to know in terms of the money distribution. They don't just come in from outside and say, well, we'll, we'll tell you what to do. They actually go and talk to the local people, the local guys, the local uh, bishops, the local people there on the ground. And with them, they devise their actions, you know. And so, for instance, they brought us to visit 
a prison. Uh, it was very harrowing in a way. 700 men in a prison. The HIV AIDS is a huge issue in Zimbabwe. So um, uh, many of the men in this prison have that, but they have a certain treatment for it, which is being subsidised. They're being helped to uh, to survive, literally, by, by some of the projects out there. But then we went to a place called Masvingo, the Masvinga province. And there they brought us up way, 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 way up. And I must admit, it was a, it was a tiring day. We were on two jeeps. There were three, three other bishops with us. And we were brought out literally to the most remote, remote regions. And uh, we were brought to an area where it's a complete drought. But what they've done is there they've built a dam so that when the water would come, it'll be, it collect the water and it, it, it'll save the lives of 170 families in that area. In fact, after that, they sent us the photograph we saw it, you know. But also other kind of boreholes and, and places just make water available to people, which, you know, seems so obvious to us, but out there, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely a treasure. So that, that was a very, very powerful experience. And we met people there back in Harare, talked to us about human rights. And our difficulties we've had too, it's not been easy. It's not been easy, but we can see for ourselves, even though we were only there a week, but an amazing work is going on. But certainly we need to pray for countries like that because there's a lot of issues they're facing, a lot of issues. That was that, that was in bad way. I mean, mm. you maybe a little like say a bit more about the ad limina, or what would you like to talk? Yeah, about? I suppose the first thing with the ad limina, I suppose we better explain what an ad limina is. Yeah, I mean, there's a very ancient tradition. Obviously, the Pope being the successor of Saint Peter, there's an ancient tradition that bishops go to visit what they call go to the thresholds of the to- of the tombs. That's ad limina, the thresholds of the tombs of the apostles Peter and Paul, who were martyred, of course, and buried in Rome. So that tradition is there. It's now more or less every five years, although in our case was 10 years since this happened. You go, you pray at the tomb, you pray at the tombs, and that's always a very solemn, beautiful moment. And then you meet with the Pope, and he's the successor of Peter, and you meet with representatives of the Vatican Department. So that's the kind of the shape of the visit. It takes about two weeks, basically. And in terms of, was this your first ad limina as bishop? Oh yeah, this was my first. So how what what, what did you think of it, or was there anything that struck you? Well, or I mean, it was my first, so I, I had nothing to gauge mm. it on. But those who were um, more senior bishops would say it was by far the warmest visit they've ever had. And I suppose we'd have to say that reflects something of Pope Francis's own very warm personality, but also his own stamp on the kind of way the visits take place. So, for instance, in our case, and of course this was the highlight. We met him, and before it kind of was a bit formal, people gave speeches, and, and it was kind of a formal greeting. Whereas this time around, what happened was, the Pope just brought us into his study, and we sat around him, uh, literally, in a circle, and he said, look, here all I want is a conversation, and it's a conversation between us all, and you can say whatever you want to say. You can give me advice, you can criticize me, you can say what you want. And he said... Let's 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 live it with that kind of freedom, and uh, it was a lovely conversation, and it went on for the best part of two hours. And wow, uh, Pope, a great listener, really, really great listener, and attentive in in listening, but also uh, a wonderful uh, teacher by example. And I'll give you a little example. There was, uh, even though the Pope understands a bit of English, so he was kind of where you, you could see he understood something directly. Nevertheless. He had a translator beside him who was translating. And at a certain point, the Pope must have noticed 
that the translator was getting a little bit hoarse. So the Pope spontaneously, because we didn't quite know what he was doing, spontaneously got up and walked across the room, and we weren't quite sure where he was going, and went to the wall, as it appeared to me, but of course it was, there was a hidden press in the wall, and he opened the press and had, there were bottles of water, mineral water, and he brought the bottle of mineral water back in, for the translator, because he was hoarse. And I just thought the simplicity of that gesture really spoke volumes on the part of Pope Francis, you know, this little, these small things done well and uh, with simplicity, you know, and, it, and he was living in a way the message, but also, as I say, listening very attentively to us and encouraging us, encouraging us. He knows, of course, he knows Ireland. He has been in Ireland, as we know, uh, in 1983. He spent three months here. So he also knows that we're, you know, we're, we have problems, not least with vocations. But he wanted to encourage us, and I think that was what we came away with, enormously encouraged. Very good, very good, very good. Bishop, listen, we want to say thank you very much. I'm afraid time has caught up with us this morning, but we just want to say thank you very much for coming on Sacred Space, and we hope to have you on again shortly soon, and for sharing with us uh, this morning on the radio programme. Thank you very much, Shane, and thanks to John. I wish you well. Listeners, wish them really well. Today, of course, is Mission Sunday, so we pray for missions especially. Okay. Thank you very much indeed, Bishop, for joining us. And Shane, maybe at this stage we might we might leave this uh, section of the program. I play a little bit of music by Liam Lawton, and this one is entitled Benedictus.
Sacred Space.